What is up? This is Dominic D'Angelo of SEScoops.com, adfreeshows.com, and I am here. It is Friday, TGIF, and I, no better way to celebrate a Friday than with Robert Karpolis, WWE creative, former WWE writer. Robert, this week is coming to a close. How you feeling? Man, first week with Dom uh, steering the ship. I'm really happy to be here. It's been a blast. Give a couple of shout-outs. Just a reminder, guys, on our YouTube page, the comments section are open. So shout-out to Commando, who said, Good afternoon, y'all. Uh, Elliot Peach says, uh, Loving the show, boys. Keep it up. Uh, we're not going anywhere, man. We've got a hell of a lot of stuff to talk about here today to start your weekend right. Yes, we got quite the lineup this week. Oh, even Robert emailed me some extra topics, too, because we got a lot to cover. Uh, and we're going to start. Well, we got a lot of different things from uh, what Big E had to say about Seth Rollins and it's speaking for the WWE locker room. Uh, we have a Mick Foley. Is he, he's a Swifty for life, apparently. Uh, we talked about Kev, Kevin Patrick. Uh, Tommy Dreamer, new head of TNA Creative. That, that's uh, some interesting news there. And we're But we're going to leave it off here with the big news. Obviously, SmackDown's tonight. The Rock is showing up. Roman Reigns is going to be there. And uh, there's a new report out from the Wrestling Observer. So Dave Meltzer makes note that it was actually The Rock's decision to turn heel and make the pivot for WrestleMania 40, the main event. Uh, so here's the quote from Meltzer in the Observer. It was Johnson who then pitched the heel turn. And he did pitch the idea of the Reigns and Rock versus Rhodes and Rollins match for the night one. So that was his idea, and if that's how it turns out. And then he also added, too, that uh, with the Punk injury in mind, and they were going to kind of pivot to have Seth versus Cody again for that World Heavyweight title. So he said with the Punk injury in mind, WWE head of creative uh, Paul Triple H Levesque came up with the idea for the segment on the February 2nd edition of WWE SmackDown. That's where Cody came out and kind of relinquished his uh, spot to the rock. So, uh, and then Paul Heyman teased tonight, uh, in his classic Paul Heyman fashion. What an ultimate marketer he is too. Cause he tagged everybody <laughs> in this, in this, uh, Instagram post, including Las Vegas. He said, as WWE tries to grasp the enormity of the events that transpired at the WrestleMania kickoff event in Las Vegas, I remind you all that yet another chapter still unfolds tomorrow, meaning today live on Fox as SmackDown will feature not only your humble wise man and the reigning defending undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion Roman Reigns, but also the people's champ, The Rock. While Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins face an uncertain future, condemned to live the life after WrestleMania 40 in the ocean of obscurity, it is quite apparent that the bloodlines rule of on the island of relevancy has never been more powerful. The Delta Center in Salt Lake City will be the setting, and the people's slap was only the beginning of what's to come next. And that's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. Robert, so what do you think about the, the Rock making that decision? It's kind of, you know, it's on brand. He's a savvy businessman and uh, may, might have seen the writing on the wall when it comes to him eliciting booze. So first and foremost, I think Paul Heyman can sleep easy knowing that you are not going to be stealing his job uh, with with that uncanny delivery uh, of of his uh, his promo. Look, The Rock saw the writing on the wall almost immediately. I think in a, in a sense of kind of you feel a little sympathetic for The Rock. Yeah. When he talked about doing the match with Roman Reigns last year, they held off on doing it because he felt there it wasn't. There wasn't a dynamic enough story other than just it's Roman versus The Rock. Uh, he teased on game day earlier this year that he was possibly going to be coming back. He's teased on CNBC he was going to be coming back. And he thought he was going to be embraced with open arms. 
And that was not the case. And given everything that we've seen happen with The Rock over the last several months, almost a year, his Teflon reputation has taken several hits. Uh, Black Adam was not as, success as successful as he thought it was going to be. Uh, the XFL situation really didn't catch fire. Young Rock was canceled. So he went back to the safest environment he knows, which is WWE. And you can't have babyface Rock on TV getting booed. You, you just can't. And he knows that. So the audience is more than happy to boo heel Rock with the right kind of heel heat. The I'm entertained by you. I want to see you but I want to detest you as a character, uh, but give us more. So Rock, able to read the tea leaves a little bit, pivot how he needed to. Obviously, the CM Punk injury took another huge match off the table, which was going to be Seth Rollins and Punk, but hell of an opportunity, Dom, for, for Drew McIntyre to step up. Right, right. It's like a next man up and Drew McIntyre is... Definitely proven his worth in that, it, despite the fact that they've had several matches already together, and it's still an intriguing matchup. You know, you can have a hundred matches uh, against one another. If you find a unique way to go about doing it, it's going to stand out and be special. You know, th there was a time where WWE beat matches into the ground. We saw Cena and Batista a thousand times. We saw right. Cena Orton a thousand times. But if you're able to tell the story in an interesting way, audience is going to be plugged in. So this version of Drew. A full-on heel coming after Seth Rollins. Interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. Um, Robert, you mentioned yesterday how you're kind of not a fan of having a tag match on night one between Rock with Rock Roman against Seth and Cody. Uh, and it makes sense too why. But so, uh, but what do you expect to have happen? To ha expect to happen tonight on SmackDown? And then what would you ultimately hope to have happen on SmackDown if they're going to do a match announcement? So I have a feeling this is, look, this is the first time, guys, that we are seeing Rock and Roman since the press conference. And what's most intriguing about it is it is Rock and Roman together as a united front being presented by Paul Heyman. Heyman last week on SmackDown saying Roman's going to be here and Rock's going to be here indicates in storyline mode these guys are communicating. So seeing the Rock aligned with Paul Heyman on WWE programming is going to make the segment interesting to begin with. They're going to have to unpack everything that we saw at the press conference. Maybe they're going to issue the challenge and we're going to get the response to the challenge at Elimination Chamber. If Rock wants to do the tag match, I, given all the reasons why I don't think it's a good idea, but maybe Rock feels he's not up to doing a one-on-one -on -one match and a tag match is the, the safer choice. Whether that is... These four going at it, you you put in some sort, maybe you throw solo in there as a replacement. I don't know, but it'll be it'll be intriguing at the very least. And for as as stacked as this show is, it's a little surprising that it's in Salt Lake City, Utah. <laughs> right. I was all due all due respect to the Pittsburgh or the West Coast, Salt Lake City. Uh, <laughs> but you, when you're saying like, oh, Rock's gonna be there, Roman's gonna be there, Logan Paul's wrestling, like those are big things in a market that's not typically a huge market for, for wrestling. I know. Usually it's, uh, you know, John Stockton, Carl uh, Malone, Utah jazz era. And it's, uh, that's basically it. <laughs> that's so. pretty much all I think of. When you, you say Salt Lake city, I'm picturing Stockton and Malone. Uh, thankfully, Carl Malone, not going to be competing here. We, we have not seen him in the ring in some time. <laughs> and for good reason. Yes. For very good reason. 
Uh, hey, we have a good reason why we do this show, Robert. Uh, there's a little thing called Blue Chew. You want to talk about that a little bit, huh? I do. Uh, we're we're going to be talking a little bit about the Elimination Chamber qualifying matches because the winner of that Elimination Chamber is going to take their finger and they're going to point at the WrestleMania sign. But thanks to Blue Chew, you're not going to need your finger to point at that WrestleMania sign because, yes, as Dom said, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you will receive your prescription, Dom, in days. Guys, Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex the way that we here at Rumor and Innuendo want to help you be a more informed wrestling fan. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we have a special offer here for our listeners. Going into the weekend, try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code RUMOR at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code RUMOR to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring Rumor and Innuendo. Mm, thank you, BlueChew. Robert, you mentioned it, the Elimination Chamber. Qualifying matches are going to round out here, I believe, tonight. So it's going to be uh, The Miz competing against Logan Paul. And then you have Dominic Mysterio going up against Kevin Owens for the men's uh, qualifier. And then there's three remaining spots still in the women's qualifying match where you have a battle royal upcoming for it and then two other matches going down. Robert, what do you kind of uh how do you see this whole thing laying out here for coming up? Well, it's interesting that both Logan Paul and Kevin Owens are competing in matches on this show. So there is the possibility that they both wind up in the chamber and they reignite their feud or they both lose their qualifying matches, perhaps because of the actions of one another, and you set up a rematch. I think there is a lot of, of story still to tell with Kevin Owens and Logan Paul. We didn't get the truly definitive finish at the Royal Rumble. They certainly have chemistry with one another. I think it would be a lot of fun if we get another match, whether that is in Perth, Australia, Logan Paul being their big celebrity boost, or if we can stretch this all the way to WrestleMania. I, I, for a while, kind of earmarked L.A. Knight potentially as the guy who was going to take on Logan Paul, but I certainly would not be mad at a Kevin Owens-Logan Paul rematch. Part of the reason why I don't see Logan Paul and Kevin Owens making it into the chamber is you hate to pin those guys in a match. Mm -hmm. You could have them lose a qualifying match in any number of ways possible, disqualification, countout, you know, outside interference, what have you. In a chamber, it's all clean pins because it's all no disqualification. We didn't want Kevin Owens getting eliminated in the Royal Rumble or Logan Paul getting eliminated in the Royal Rumble, so they were put in a separate match. Here, Dominic Mysterio, my second favorite Dom in professional wrestling. Second, all right. I uh, was originally supposed to be facing Brock Lesnar at this show, so they intended on putting him in front of this audience. Dom in the, in the elimination chamber, bouncing around, we saw Austin Theory in the chamber before when he when uh, he got uh, obliterated by by I was going to say Brock Lesnar, but I realized Brock Lesnar doesn't exist. No, who uh, and Miz 
being in the chamber creates the opportunity for our truth to be a part of this show. Any opportunity you have to put our truth on TV, we're, we're all there for. Uh, on the women's side, uh, Tiffany Stratton and uh, Naomi are are going to – I don't even remember who they're wrestling. That's how much I know who's going to wind up winning this <laughs> thing. Tiffany Stratton's the new the new kid on the block. People were like, oh, well, what, what about Jade? I, I would not put Jade in the Elimination Chamber. No, I, I get that she was in the Rumble. Get that it was a cool visual. Again, do you really want to pin her in, in her first actual match? I, I certainly don't. Uh, and Naomi being back, big star. You want to put the spotlight on her. I think because of the Shotzi injury, they kind of had to pivot a little bit. And uh, this could be a really great opportunity for, for these two women to put on a good show, even though we know for a fact that it's going to wind up being you know, Becky Lynch, you know, and just for uh, clarification, it will be Zelina Vega taking on Tiffany Stratton and Alba fire will be facing Naomi. So I think your, your bets are safe on there, Robert. Keep, keeping me honest. The best part about it being Alba fire is we know that Michael Cole does not know the difference between Alba fire and, and Isla Dawn. Uh, <laughs> Isla Dawn, Isla Dawn. either way. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be some fun matches. It's a stacked SmackDown. You're still going to have to fit in, some sort of Bailey segment in yep. between all this. Um, the, you're you're going to have the intrigue of, of, of the two Matt again, just thinking in my head, I can't help it. It's, it's the formatting side of me. It's you're going to get at least, you're probably going to open with, uh, with Roman and the rock because when you're, when you're writing SmackDown versus raw, well, you know, for raw, you could potentially have an overrun. There is no overrun for SmackDown. It's a great point. Yeah. And Dwayne, we're, we're on their kind of first name basis now. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dwayne uh, can go a little lengthy when mm -hmm. he's talking. Roman's entrance can go a little lengthy. If you don't put that on as segment one, you run the risk of truncating whatever it is they're going to say and losing something. So I, I would think that you're going to open with Roman and The Rock. You're going to let them talk for as long as they want to talk. Cody's not there. Seth's not there. So there's going to be no interruption. Get that rating at eight o'clock. Uh, then the rest of, of the show, you, you, you adjust as necessary. You could probably get three segments out of uh, Kevin Owens and Dom, two segments out of Logan Paul and Miz, maybe one segment for the Alba fire match, all due respect to her, and Naomi, uh, and, and maybe two with, with Zelina Vega and, and Tiffany Stratton. This is this is how you kind of have to think of it sometimes, guys, when you're looking at a format sheet, uh, not to get way too wonky and technical, but uh, that's, you know, that's SmackDown. And SmackDown's got a hell of a commentary team, Dom. Uh, right now, this uh, Corey Graves, Wade Barrett duo has been really entertaining. They've been it's pretty darn impressive how like two former talents wrestlers can kind of cohe, like just get along with one another and be able to be a straight man but also be the 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 color analyst of it all too so it's a uh, very good but yes speaking of WWE commentary uh kevin patrick moving on he is has a job with uh major league soccer coming up here uh robert what do you think about all that it's a pretty good move for him uh still in a primary role on a, on a big uh you know mainstream product when it comes to you know a world football <laughs> it's it's awesome uh i believe this is for apple tv is that is that who's who signed him for this season so. he's going to be hosting sort of their wraparound 
So their version of uh, NFL Red Zone is going to be Kevin Patrick. How about and that? Kevin Patrick, a, a talented commentator. Not everybody fits into the WWE environment the way that you would think uh, that they should. It is a totally different world than any other sort of commentary, and it requires a very niche sort of skill set. So Kevin Patrick, who clearly loved wrestling, he was he was good. You can already think of the reasons why they would have been frustrated with him. Uh, they don't like accents for anybody uh, who's your your commentator. They want it to just be a, a a newscaster thing. The audience certainly polarized on Kevin. What did, what did you think of, of Kevin Patrick on WWE commentary, Dom? I thought he was a, a breath of fresh air uh, for the starting point of it, especially when he was on Raw and stuff like that. And his enthusiasm really exuded through the through the television. And I, I thought that was um, that was a big key component. But I also thought, too, it's like uh, people are kind of expecting a little bit more pack of a punch when it comes to certain things. And um, there's cer the certain element is you kind of got used to Kevin and he kind of became almost background noise in a lot of ways, I think. And so. Um, while I didn't think I would never guess that he would have got released. And I, I certainly thought he was great at being backstage interviews and doing that kind of thing like that. Um, that I did understand probably why he was not uh, one of the head commentators moving forward, but yeah, I always liked him. And, uh, you know, it's called MLS season pass pass is what it is. He'll be hosting season two of, so definitely a good spot for him. So good to hear. Um, cool. Well, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, Robert, you broke down some of your creative aspects of how you would have lined up SmackDown tonight, formatted it. Well, hey, TNA has a new head of creative reportedly, and that is ECW legend Tommy Dreamer, who obviously has been a big influence backstage at TNA, but now with Scott D'Amore exiting and uh, getting terminated, Tommy Dreamer seems to be taking over the creative helm. Uh, Robert, give me your thoughts on that. Uh I think it's a smart idea on the part of TNA. I know that there was a, a letter that a number of TNA talent wrote to express their uh, displeasure with the fact that Scott Demore was was let go. I, he was definitely someone that was loved backstage. Tommy Dreamer is somebody who was liked and respected in, in TNA. He's liked and respected across the board. He has been a creative force when he was in ECW. Learned at the footsteps of Paul Heyman. Uh, he helped book a lot of the, the shows that they that they ran, especially towards the end. Uh, I've had the the pleasure of working with Tommy both in WWE uh, and in MLW. I, you know, candidly, I do consider a dreamer a friend, but more importantly, he's a guy who understands what works in wrestling. You do not have the longevity of a career that Tommy Dreamer has had without understanding what does and does not attract an audience. He's someone who's going to be collaborative. They have a lot of great behind the scenes folks working there in TNA and hopefully with the departure of Scott Tamore, they don't lose a step, but I'll be pulling for the guy whose haircut apparently I have stolen Tommy dreamer. Well, you know, it's pretty cool that Tommy is put in this role because you think about Triple H being a student of the game, being trained by like Killer Kowalski and having that history and appreciation for the business and um, that passion. So it's like, it's nice to know that somebody like Triple H is there. And then on top of it, you have a fail safe like The Rock there now too. But here in TNA, you have Tommy Dreamer, who is very much cut from that kind of cloth of being a student of the game, having that legacy and love for the business from all across the board when it comes to the different territories and everything like that. So I, even though it's in a corporate environment where you have Anthem overseeing everything, and that in the past has been many problems for TNA, 
this is a good kind of uh, person to have uh, running the creative reins, so to speak, on there. So you want uh, hit, look, if I had to build a company and pick a, pick a guy to to be my head of creative and pick a guy to, to head up my agents, Tommy Dreamer and Lance Storm would be near top of that list. So TNA really has some incredible driving forces behind the scenes. Uh, I'm excited to see what uh, what Tommy's going to do. And here's yeah, knocking on wood, they don't miss a beat with any of that. Like it's like Scott Damore really had obviously such a huge influence and and had this great momentum going. Uh, Tommy and Lance, they know what they're doing. They can keep that moving too. So let's keep well, let's keep moving. us moving. Hey, they're already getting the. This Look was a us. last minute addition, Robert. Uh, right before we took air, uh, Dave Meltzer also reported this week in the Wrestling Observer newsletter that uh, there's some frustration from a lot of circles in AAW as talent comes to shows and sees the small crowd sizers. The report adds that the feeling within AEW is that the popularity of the product is declining overall. I mean, that's pretty evident from the outsider perspective, but Robert, I mean, coming from that employee uh, talent perspective, it's got to be a little disheartening to sometimes see those crowds where they were and now where they're at now. It is demoralizing if you're a wrestler and you go out there and the arenas are taped off and you're you're performing to more empty seats than you are people. You see it, you hear it, you feed off of that audience. It's a tried and uh, you know a tried and true uh, thing in wrestling where they ask, you know, how many people are out there tonight? Oh, they're hanging from the rafters. There's there's an ass every 18 inches. Uh, that is not really the case, in part because AEW has insisted on running larger buildings because that is what Tony Khan wants. He wants when they go into a town, they're running the A arena. There are smaller venues that you can run that you can pack them in. It's something that TNA has has definitely demonstrated. You get a 3000 seat building and you cram them in and it's loud and it's shot well, it's going to be insane. Uh having worked Four arenas. I, the arena that I worked at that used to be the uh, the BB&T Center in Sunrise, uh, I believe the Emirate Arena now, has 19,352 seats, not including floor seats. And AEW ran there, and plenty of good seats were still available. Some of, the, some of those sections look like the Sami Zayn interviews we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. Uh, so it's not surprising it's also not surprising because some of the aew talent who came from wwe and have seen what those crowds look like and have seen when you go back to cities that they draw and some of it is younger talent that all they have seen were that that massive rise you know i think i've always said one of the biggest successes aew had was that they came into fruition for the large part during COVID. you were in daly's place in an empty building where you did not have to worry about travel. You didn't have to worry about logistics. You didn't have to worry about ticket sales and you could just find the identity of your show. And I was always interested to see what was going to happen once AEW went out on the road, what was that going to look like? And unfortunately you're kind of seeing that all due respect, Matt Taven versus orange Cassidy might not be the same main event draw that they had previously when it's Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson. Yeah, and it, I think it speaks to sometimes just, I mean, overall, the overall inconsistency that kind of happens from a storytelling perspective week in and week out, who you see, who you don't see. And um, it, it's been a slow drip and an unfortunate one, too, I think, where it's just like, hey, the chickens are coming home to roost, basically. And so, uh, 
you know, hopefully they can turn the nose up, but it's a uphill battle when this kind of happens, you know, first impressions kind of thing. All right. Uh, wanted to cover this big E uh, in it on the bump mentioned that Seth Rollins kind of speaks for the locker room. And I just wanted to touch upon this because it's really good insight by Big E. I think he's got the long-term view of everything. So he says, we're there on a nightly basis. This is in reference to what Seth said on uh, Raw, by the way. He's like, we're there on the live events. That's grind. It really builds certain camaraderie and a certain respect for each other, even if you don't see eye to eye. I respect that you're here every single night, like Seth Rollins is defending that title, so on, so speak. But look, on the same hand, the goal is really, in many ways, to become a Roman, to become a rock, to be in that position where you're not there every single night, where you're the attraction, where you are special. So really, it's this dichotomy, the back and forth, which I really love. I, Big E gets it, doesn't he, Robert? He totally gets it. What's ironic is on social media for the last 24 hours, what's been circulating unrelated to this was an inner, was a, was an in-ring promo with Roman Reigns and John Cena from years ago it was it was one of Roman's first coming out of his shell talking the way that he's supposed to talk and he calls out Cena for being a part-timer for spending time on the Today show as opposed to me Roman Reigns who's here every night of the week grinding and now the criticism of Roman is he's only there part-time but that's to be expected there is this weird fiction that exists um, in wrestling where people assume that top stars are working night in and night out, that they're on the road 200 nights a year the way Flair was. Hulk Hogan was rarely seen on television. And yes, in the beginning, he was always your, your headliner for your big tapings, or your house shows. That declined over time because you have the ability to, to do that. You can call your shots. So Seth is the workhorse guy right now. He's the guy headlining those house shows. And those house show grinds guys are grueling. So I can understand the frustration on both sides, but in the WWE ecosystem, when you get big houses because of these draws, everybody benefits. If you get on a, uh, a PLE that has Roman or The Rock, everybody's wallet's going to be a little bit heavier. It's a, it's a back and forth. You know, I don't fully understand AEW's... Uh, structure in terms of economy how they pay their guys if it's guaranteed downside based on the house whatever it may be but on the wwe end yes there's a there's a downside guarantee that you're going to get but when the houses are bigger and there's more merch that's being sold and there's more licensing deals that are being struck on your behalf the more money you're going to make and at the end of the day folks as cm punk said i'm not here to make friends i'm here to make money right and less is more. And, and that's always true. And it really speaks to that a lot of the times with pro wrestling too. And, I, you know, having somebody like Reigns, having somebody like Rock makes perfect sense. All right. So uh, let's go to this. Uh, the WWE uh, 2K22 contract is out. Um, and Post Malone is going to be a playable character akin from the Fred Durst days of the WWE SmackDown game. So uh, I can't wait to play as Post Malone. What title are you going to put on him, Robert? Uh, I, I'm, it's a, that's the weirdest question I've been asked all day. What title are you going to put on post Malone? I'm going to put him as guy who would scare my parents. Uh, but he <laughs> seems like a very nice guy. Yeah. Um, the, but here's the thing I like about this. The WWE 2K games have, have expanded. They, they bring in outside talent. We, we saw obviously bad bunny as a playable character and that's intriguing post Malone just on the Super Bowl 
You know, he was he was there. So you're you're bringing in real major name stars from outside of the wrestling world, and that becomes intriguing to people. It makes me think of. Did you ever play Def Jam Vendetta oh, years yeah. ago? Mm-hmm. It's it's great. It's always fun when someone who's outside of the wrestling bubble comes in. I don't think Post Malone is going to do an actual match the way Logan Paul does, or the way that Bad Bunny does. But his inclusion in the game, his inclusion as a playable character, speaks to the fact that this guy is a fan. He's excited, and if you're a Post Malone fan, uh, you know what? I I don't know what the Post Malone version of like Swifties would be. Circlers. <laughs> Post-its? Yeah, <laughs> Post-its? It's like a second post-its. Malone, by the way, of the day. Carl Malone, Post Malone. Post- wow, big geez. day for Malone. It's a big day for wrestling and music. Yes. Hey, and speaking of Swifties, Mick uh, Foley is a Swiftie. And uh, he went on his Facebook page to share a little story about how uh, kind Taylor Swift is. And um, it harkens back to Jeff Jarrett. Uh, when Jeff Jarrett's wife was passing away, Um Taylor Swift was there and uh, was supportive of his daughters and like really sat alongside them and like kind of babysat them for the most part during such a tough time and was there for them there. And Mick Foley made note of it. And uh, I just thought that was a pretty cool aspect to that whole pop culture thing coming into play and things coming into full circle, like where pro wrestling is kind of everywhere. And Hey, I, even before I knew this story, I was a Swifty Robert. Are you a Swifty? I am. I am a Swifty. Um, in the sense that my, my daughter is a big Taylor Swift fan. And by default, I am this story. I read this thing on, on Nick's Facebook page. It really grabbed me. The, the idea that Taylor Swift, who had a prior, uh, relationship with the Jarrett family, I I know they lived in the same neighborhood. She used to watch the kids, uh, at when, when Jeff's first wife sadly was, was, uh, sick with cancer, ultimately passed away. Taylor stepped up in a big way where she doesn't, she didn't have to. And it's some of this timeline wise is after she'd already released her first album like this was not girl around the corner who's watching your kids this is recording artists selling out buildings and she's she's doing this it really speaks to you know how great she is and it's a it's a fun story across the board uh, and it's timely uh th- this weekend for my daughter's birthday party the taylor swift themed birthday party so pray for me guys <laughs> pray for me it is this is my fault because i i made the stupid mistake of saying, oh, you know, it'd be really fun. Um, she's, you know, like her and her friends, they want to sing Taylor Swift, do a karaoke party, hire one of those those things. I'm thinking that it was going to be at a location. And the yeah. guy's like, we can come to your house. John is going to be in my house. <laughs> a lot of Taylor Screaming, Swift. screeching, singing Taylor Swift music. So pray if I come in on Monday, guys, and I can't hear, you'll, you'll understand why I had to learn ASL. And I'm going to be signing... Uh, our, our rumor and you went to show, which is a good reason, Dom, to check out the video feed of our show on both ad free shows and rumor and innuendo on YouTube. Uh, we are also streaming with our friends at Podcast Heat who help make this show possible. This is a Podcast Heat production. We're also on SE Scoops, where my boy Dominic D'Angelo is a prominent writer, uh, as well as my Twitter account, WWCreative underscore ISH. We are so over time here today, we're not going to be able to talk about Billy and the CW. Do you want to give a quick plug? Tony Khan uh, tweeted out that on the April 20th edition of Collision, on the 420 edition, 
It's going to be a special guest, Dom. Who is that special guest? Mr. Rob Van Dam will be there 420 on Saturday Collision. I'm pumped. He's going to be on Dynamite, Dynamite next week in that triple tag match. We'll talk more about that next week. Lots of on tap. Uh, Robert, we also wanted to send well wishes out to Mongo McMichael, who uh, was yes. uh, taken to the emergency room yet last night. Uh, we're hoping all the best for Mongo. He's diagnosed with ALS and battling that. So prayers out to Mongo and Team Mongo and his, all his family and stuff like that. So um, otherwise, yeah, uh, tune into One of a Kind with RVD, uh, the podcast. And then also check out Straight Talk with the Boss, Magnum TA and Greg Gagne uh, once a week. Follow me on Twitter at Dominic D'Angelo. And hey, give us some feedback. Leave a comment in our YouTube on our YouTube videos. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Just tell us what you guys are thinking of the show so far. It's been a lot of fun. And Robert, week one is in the books for us. Week one is in the books for, for this version of, of Rumor and Innuendo. Uh, so on behalf of the uh, fresh and clean and for some reason wearing a Jets hat that we're going to choose to ignore, Dominic <laughs> D'Angelo, I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors. TGIF, guys. <laughs>